You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. As many of you know, we have been on a journey this year that we've called God's Story, a journey where we're discovering that, afresh, I guess, how the Bible is one big story that's all about Jesus. And so at the moment, we're in the Old Testament. We've been working our way through that. And we've seen time and time again how God's people, the Israelites, just have hard hearts towards God. They, they get it right, and then immediately they rebel again and go their own way. And we've consistently seen them doing the things that God asked them not to do and doing them pretty well. Like, they've, they've done well at doing the wrong thing. All the things that, funnily enough, God actually said, hey, go in this way, not because I'm a mean God making your life difficult, but I want to bless you, and if you walk like this, your life will be blessed. And yet, they've done the opposite. And let's, as we've been reminded, too often we look at a lot of the Old Testament and think, oh, but those silly Israelites, we are the Israelites. We are the Israelites. We're a lot like the Israelites today. We're good at not doing the things God asks us to do, yeah? We're good at going our own way, all the while knowing the way that God's actually wanting us to go. And when we do it, we separate ourselves from our Creator. Now, over the Old Testament so far, we've seen sin, yeah? Along with his displeasure at their idol worship, we've seen a lot of that, and adopting the practices of the nations around them, a consistent theme throughout Scripture that God takes real issue with, and that is God takes issue with how people were not acting justly to one another. Justice in the Bible is all about our conduct, in, but at his core, what is he? He's just. At God's core, he's a just God. He's changing. And because he is, there's never, ever been a time when he's been unjust. To quote Michael Hudman, he says, There's never a time when God has been unjust. It is against his unchanging nature to be anything but perfectly just. And because God is just, he demands that his followers, people created in his image, be like him in that, that we be people of justice too. And we see this desire, this heart, at the centre of command after command in the Old Testament and in the New Testament too, but particularly in the Old Testament where we've been, where we've been planted. We see how God used prophet after prophet, man after man, to plead with Israel to turn back to him and to get back on to this particular theme in God's story and to kind of spur us on to continue to grow as followers of Jesus who walk in justice and treat others the way that God actually calls us to, we're honoured to have Levi McGrath. And so, without any further ado, let's turn our eyes to the screen and listen in as Levi shares today's message with us. So the year's 2009. My wife Megan and I have travelled over to Africa, uh, to Uganda, and we've travelled up to a town of soldiers that's run by World Vision who have escaped uh, from war with the Arab and waiting to be reunited with their families. And in the middle of our trip, it's, it's wet season and there's these three days of, days of intense 
normal, but we notice there's all this water running through the back of the centre and it's it's running through all the dorm rooms where these kids are, are staying on site. And it's it's running through their, their bunk beds, all their stuff has had to be lifted up to the top of the rooms. They're, they're running around with, with buckets and shovels trying to get the mud and water out of their rooms to protect their things. And so we, without a second of thought, you know, we take off our shoes, Megan and I, we mud wringing out towels, wiping down walls, making sure that these kids feel loved and, and supported and, and we can, in his position and, and he's kind of hiring, he feels a bit embarrassed that he's not helping and so he starts to to help as well. He, he rolls up his pants and, and gets dirty with us for a few hours and, and helps out and he he has a smile on his face at the end of the day and it's it's very different from the normal kind of admin and, and leadership stuff he's doing and he, he says, you know what, yesterday I... I just middle class would would come over that really moved me and and when I got involved like I I don't do the work of a cleaner or low level like grunt work like that but but it was love in action in a practical way and that's a powerful powerful feeling that we get as as a byproduct from getting involved in in God's work in helping out in these practical ways to get involved in God's work around the world here in Australia and particularly focusing on, on Kananara, where my wife, Megan and I, and our two boys, Eden and River, I pray as I kick off today's message. Together to sing and worship you, but also to hear from your word, to be transformed in our hearts, renewed, reminded of what you claim is precious, that the lives around us are precious. Go out and serve our community around us, the world around us with your love and your peace and your goodness. Help us in the face of adverse to overcome evil with good. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, let's get stuck into it. I want to give you a bit of a background on, on what I'm, I'm doing here today, uh, speaking to you um, for NADOC Week, uh, this bill, uh, for almost eight years. Uh, but I, I moved away uh, 18 months ago with my, my beautiful family, uh, we, we came up in the middle of COVID, um, just trusting God and, and trying to stay faithful to God's call in our lives. Uh, we moved to the NT to work at a, a Christian music camp for Aboriginal, for my wife, Tananara, and it's a, a community of only about 7,000. But what's what's happened here in, the, in this town is that uh, there's been a, a lot of remote people groups, uh, medical needs, all that kind of thing to Centrelink to, to try and get, get in on a system here. And it's been really, really messy. We normally live together, so there's lots of intertribal fighting, there's a lot of violence, a lot of crime, uh, homelessness, boredom, listlessness of the youth in particular, lots of kids getting involved in sex, partying, drugs, gambling. So for us, um, we, we felt God calling us in some wild new directions. I'm a singer-songwriter, have been for more than 15 years traveling around Australia to churches and schools, singing a message of, of God's love and singing a lot about injustice. But here, God's been calling me to teach music in both remote communities and in and around Kananara with, with youth and young kids to pass on my, my love for music and my, my gifting in, in music. And I've also been involved Amazingly, a very, very left of field for me, but, but getting to work with youth as a, as a, a footy around uh, three days a week uh, with kids in town. And I've loved getting to know kids in that way. So that's a, a bit of a, a background to, to why we're here 
in Kununurra and, and loving it and loving seeing God use us effectively in this town to bring about his, his love and a bit of his peace, hopefully, to this town. Our mission here, our, our real vision, I suppose, uh, that God put on our heart through a prophecy we received in Darwin was to put boxes in order. So we imagine Kununurra like this big factory. Boxes have been torn open and the contents have spilled out. And our job here is to, to help put some things back in order, put some things in place, get things a bit more strategic uh, than they are and help programs to run as successfully as, as possible, uh, including the Christian programs, and the ministry, and the outreach here in this town. So I want to unpack a, a little bit of a, a story today of, of why we're here, what God's using us, us for, and dig into God's word a bit today as well. And let me start with Romans 12. Romans 12 has been on my heart in a big way over the past month as I've been just journeying through uh, God's God's word in in Romans 12. Uh, So let me read from Romans 12, verse 9 through to 21. It's good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. What an important thing. Keep hopeful. Be patient in tribulation. 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. I'll unpack that a bit later. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, and this is a really big one, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now that's very real, those last couple of lines are for me. And even back in verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. I work uh, with about 50 to 60 uh, young kids three days a week after school into the late evening. And some nights I'll have kids uh, like like last night that are my friends playing basketball, uh, cooking them a a hot meal, doing the dishes for them, making sure the rubbish goes in the bin after program, taking these kids home uh, to their families for a good night of sleep that sometimes does and doesn't, doesn't work getting these kids on the bus and off the streets. But the very next night, you'll have rocks thrown at the, the bus as you take these kids home, as you drop them off. You'll have kids swear at you, call you all kinds of names, all kinds of language that you wish you didn't hear. It is hard not to get angry. It's hard to stay hopeful. It's hard not to want to curse these kids and to continue to, to bless them and serve them and love them with patience and with grace. But that is what God's calling us to here. It's not a job uh, for me. It's, it's a ministry. It's a chance to impart uh, through a very practical way uh, the love of, of Jesus uh, to these kids. To not be overcome by evil, but overcome with good, it says in verse 21. And that to me is, is really a chance not to get weighed down by all the, the chaos that happens. We've got a 11-year-old girls that are sexually active in this community uh, we've got young football stars in this town that are also uh, responsible for, for raping 
girls younger than them. We've got uh, wonderful young kids who, who show so much promise and so much um, beautiful, you know, intelligence and, and art and incredible giftings is, is so poor. They're, they're coming from a background of, of abuse, of drunkenness, of violence, of sexual abuse, of assault. So it's, it's hard to stay hopeful. How do we not be overcome by these things in this community, by kids going off to prison at 14 years of age for, for stealing cars and, and ram-raiding the local bottle to steal alcohol, to go and get, get blind drunk and forget about their problems? We have to keep constantly out in, in, in hope to have the energy and the wisdom to keep loving on these kids, even when it hurts, even when we see... It really broke me. That, that almost got me beyond um, what it talks about in, in verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I was at PCYC in this youth program one night at the local leisure centre here in Kununurra. We were playing basketball for three hours straight. We're, we're dunking, we're shooting three-pointers, we're running around the courts with about 40 young kids, all about 11, they're lifting weights, running on the treadmills, that kind of thing. At five o'clock, we pack up, we head out, it's getting dark, and a couple of my kids go out without me knowing. It's later, and she sees her windscreen smashed, her roof dinted in, and instead of calling the police, she calls her, her father to come and intervene in the situation. He comes racing down into the car park as I walk out, carrying a bag full of basketballs and, and food that we've had for our kids that night at PCYC. Her, her father arrives in this car park in his big work truck. He slams on the brakes. He jumps out with a metal bar, a weapon, in his hand. He sees two kids that have just arrived on bikes, two Aboriginal kids, and this big Hulk and white white man in his maybe 40s, mid-40s, early 50s. He jumps out with his weapon and he goes straight up to the first kid he sees and starts whacking him with this bar. I run over screaming at this man and get in the middle of him and this 12-year-old boy called Kevin. And I, I urge him to stop hitting this kid, that that's not the way. This problem is not going to be solved by violence. Little does he know this kid on the, on the bike has just arrived. He had nothing to do with this, this young lady's car and cracking the windscreen. He had nothing to do. He was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Patients over the road, the police arrive. They start handling the situation. Things escalate pretty quickly, though. His wife soon arrives after him, starts swearing at me, starts swearing at the police. How dare you help these, these young no-hopers, you stupid do-gooders getting overpaid, for trying to change things in this town. It will never change. It can only get worse. The kids are worthless. Their families are, are trash. Aboriginal people are the worst and there is no hope for them. Comes out of this lady's mouth. Now, I'm nearly crying at this point. I'm really, really upset. I'm really, really upset. Yeah, there's there's been some pretty ugly violence from the man but the hate and the, the racist comments that spewed out of this lady's mouth, that was the worst to me. That was the most upsetting to think that another race of people, just because of the colour of their skin, just because of, of maybe their, their background, that they don't maybe have the educational experience that she, she does, the history she has, the same social standing, the money in the bank account, that she could treat people 
in this way. I was really disgusted. And I, I went home, I did what I do as a songwriter, I wrote a song about it, I, I started to to cry as I, as I wrote these lyrics and was really, really just upset uh, for a long time uh, seeing this, this kind of play out. And it was wrong of these kids. You know, they weren't in the right for crackers on the youth in this town for crimes that they commit. Nonetheless, the racism that still exists in our country, the, the walls of, is pretty scary, pretty scary indeed. So I want to go on. Um, some words from, from James. In the Bible, um, we've got, got an opportunity. Uh, it says to, to not just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. In James 1.22, it says this, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. If you just listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You might see yourself, walk or forget what you heard. It's a pretty good promise, right? God will bless you for doing it. God will bless you for doing what the word says. What I've learned over 15 years touring around Australia and, and talking about injustice, being an advocate uh, for what we've experienced working with World Vision, we have to be living it out. It's great that, that we give um, every month. A lot of us give to Child's Fantastic. God wants us to be sharing of our resources and what we have also. But I believe he calls us to be living out some of these words from, from Romans 12, to associate with the lowly, live peaceably with all. And that takes interaction with our community, with some that feel like they, they wouldn't belong in church on a Sunday morning, that couldn't walk into a cafe and, and feel like they belong. There's some people that live very lonely lives, that do things really, really tough, that live private experiences of, of abuse and hurt and never kids on their own and, and get them to school. And life is, is a real battle. There's mental illness out there, a lot of troubles from, from violence, from crime. We can get involved with these things in Hillsville, in the Yarra Valley, here in Kununurra, it doesn't matter. But God is calling us to daily be associating with people that, that need what we have, not just our money, not just what, what we have physically, but, but really our, our lives, our heart, what we have inside, silver or gold, have I not sometimes, we need to be giving of God's love inside us. That is the greatest gift we can give. Now, there are so many programs in this town, not just dozens, hundreds of organisations working here. There is so much money that is going into Indigenous programming to try to help things here. Centrelink is just one in a very long list. But the biggest thing that we see in this town, the biggest and greatest help, is a little ministry called Bethel Bible Study that the kids beg to go to, that parents willingly send there's seven, eight-year-old kids along to each week, and there's 50 kids there that love to watch a bong's like if I were a butterfly, and God's not dead, he is alive, these ancient old Bible school songs, and their kids eat it up. They love it. They love being in this safe environment. And amazingly, they don't swear. They don't hit and fight, and it's not crazy. They love being there, surrounded by Christian leaders, Christian adults, trustworthy people in this town that love them and try to learn all about God.
and the millions of dollars that go into programs in this town pale above the story of Jesus, of Moses, of, of Noah, and all the prophets with these, these kids and shows them we get to live that out each Thursday night as well here in town, and it's pretty amazing. I want to share with you from James again, James 1, verse 27. We often hear it to help orphans and widows and don't get polluted by the world. That's, that's what God wants of us, to help orphans and widows don't get polluted by the world. Well, we're helping a lot of kids. Most aren't orphaned. Most still have, have family, have a mum or a dad, but sometimes they're in jail. Sometimes they're just not on the scene. Sometimes they can't effectively look after their kids. And there's one girl in, in town called Carissa that we help. And Carissa came into our lives um, with a recommendation of, of a carer in town that was getting a bit old to, to look after her effectively. And she asked if we could help carry the load, help carry the burden of this, this young girl. We got involved. We, we pick her up on a, on a Friday night and we often have her over the weekend. And when she comes home from boarding school on school holidays, we have her stay with us over the holiday periods. Um, her mum is an alcoholic. She'd take against her and, and we've had to rescue her from a few pretty toxic and, and dangerous situations where people are intoxicated and, and not, um, things are not safe for her. But we, we take her in and amazingly just, just being in this environment, she hasn't wanted to, to walk the streets when she stays with us. She hasn't wanted to go and look for bumpers, little ends of discarded cigarettes around town. She hasn't wanted to, to go and get alcohol and get drunk. When she's here, uh, the grace of God in this home, the, God's anointing maybe even over this house, this Christian house um, that we have with our family, she loves to play with our boys, read Bible stories with them at, at night. And at the dinner table one night after a few months of getting to know Carissa, she exclaims, I've accepted Jesus into my heart. I've become a Christian and I want to know God. And Megan got to pray with her that night. They cried together as Megan explained that she's come into the kingdom of God. She's come into the family um, of Jesus and that, you know, God's now her father, Jesus, is living in her heart and, and the Holy Spirit is is living within her and he's going to be always with her. She has a Holy Spirit conscience now, conscience now and is always going to be part of, of God's family. She was overjoyed, overwhelmed. And life hasn't changed for her overnight. There's still so many issues and, and things that she struggles with, but things are on the improve. Things are on the mend for her. It's pretty amazing. I want to finish with this. It's pretty tough words, but I know you've been journeying uh, with, with Pastor Joel through uh, the, the stories. Some again, um, takes on worshipping other gods of, of other nations, allows evil practices into their lives and, and forgets about the things of God, forgets to do just the vulnerable. And in Amos uh, chapter 5, verse 21, 24, it's no different. From the message, it says, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and your conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes. Worship music. When was the last time you sang to me, it says. 
Do you know what I want? I want justice, says the Lord. If we keep our eyes fixed on him and his greatest story, we can continue to do good, love others, while staying hopeful in the face of surrounding evil. Not being overcome by it, but overcoming evil with good. I've lived in Melbourne for a long time, just like a lot of you guys. The traps of fashion, of pornography, of of buying and saturating our lives with technology and stuff to be better than the, you know, keeping up. The, the pull of, of gambling, of getting rich quick, all these different sinful things uh, that come into our, our lives in a, in a big city context here in Kananara, I feel them. They're very real. But we are called not to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. Get out there. Get involved. Do good. Do not forget that God wants fairness, righteousness, justice, rivers of it. That's what he wants. God bless you guys at Liberty Family Church. We miss you. We love you. Have a top NADOC week and Sunday morning. Bye. How good was that? It's good to, good to see Levi again. And Levi, if you're watching this, we just want to say a big thank you to you for your willingness to share with us today and encourage us on, on our God story journey as well. And if you're unaware, as a church, we have been supporting Levi and Megan and all the great ministry work that they're doing. And this new financial year, we're going to continue to support them, albeit in a few different ways. Um, but God bless you, um, not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. You really inspire us, and we thank you for that. How about I just pray over us right now that, that God would really seal these words in our hearts and then guide us in his love to those around us. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for that great word. We thank you for Levi and Megan and Eden and River. Lord, we pray that you might shape us and motivate us and empower us to love all those around us that you call us to love as well. Help us to be people of light. Help us to actually see you, Jesus, that they see people of love, genuine love that treats all people with equity and respect. And so God, we pray that you might even just guide us in new and fresh ways in our everyday lives, Lord, to be those kind of people, to those people that bring justice, those people that bring hope, and those people that are well and truly people of love throughout every aspect of our lives. So God, bless these guys as collectively you're calling us to be your children, your people of light and love and hope. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.